listening to the hour of the time. Well, folks, I'm here relaxed. My tonsils, my larynx are completely laid back, and uh, we're supposed to have a guest tonight, but so far he hasn't called. Carolyn is in studio with me, and uh, I don't know what we're going to do because he was supposed to call at about three minutes till and the phone has not rung yet so I don't know if we're going to have a guest or not so we'll go right in to a little pre-warm-up here and uh, see if we can just sort of wait a few minutes to find out what in the world is going on. Notice how calm, cool, and absolutely collected I am tonight. Isn't it wonderful? Thank you. 
don't know what happened, ladies and gentlemen, but we have no guest. So we go to plan B. You should always have a plan B and sometimes a plan C and D and E and sometimes even plan F. But tonight we only have plan B. The mystery religion of Babylon, ladies and gentlemen, has been symbolically described in the last book of the Bible as a woman arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. The phone is, was, is not now. This is insanity. Absolute insanity. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And that's from Revelations chapter 17, verses 1 through 6. When the Bible, ladies and gentlemen, uses symbolic language, a, quote, woman, unquote, can often symbolize a church. The true church, for example, is likened to a bride, a chaste virgin, a woman without spot or blemish. Check Ephesians chapter 5 verse 27 and Revelations chapter 19 verses 7 and 8. But in striking contrast to the true church, the woman of the text is spoken of as an unclean woman, a defiled woman, a harlot, if it is correct to apply this symbolism to a church system, ladies and gentlemen, then it becomes clear that only a defiled and fallen church could be meant. In big capital letters, the Bible calls her, quote, Mystery Babylon, unquote. Now, when John wrote the book of Revelation, Babylon as a city had already been destroyed and left in ruins as the Old Testament prophets had foretold. And you can find that in Isaiah chapter 13, verses 19 through 22, and Jeremiah verses, uh, chapter 51, uh, verse 52. But though the city of Babylon was destroyed, folks, religious concepts and customs that originated in Babylon continued on and were well represented in many nations of the world, and exist in secret right up to this very day. Now, just what was the religion of ancient Babylon? How did it all begin, and what significance does it hold in modern times? How does it all tie in with what John wrote in the book of Revelation, if at all? How many of you were aware that the Iraqis have been busy for many years rebuilding the city of Babylon. Turning the pages of time back to the period shortly after the flood, men began to migrate from the east. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Genesis chapter 11, verse 2. It was in this land of Shinar that the city of Babylon was built, and this land became known as Babylonia. 
and later as Mesopotamia. Originally, it was a part of the Syrian, the Assyrian, the Assyrian nation. Now here, here, ladies and gentlemen, is where the Euphrates and Tigris rivers had built up rich deposits of earth that could produce crops in great abundance. But there were certain problems, you see. The people faced, for one thing, the land was overrun with wild animals which were a constant threat to the safety and peace of the inhabitants. And you can check for reference Exodus chapter 23 verses 29 and 30. Obviously, anyone who could successfully provide protection from these wild beasts would receive great acclaim from the people. For all people, in all times, seek security. It was at this point that a large, powerfully built man by the name of Nimrod, Nimrod, appeared on the scene. He became famous as a mighty hunter against the wild animals. And the Bible tells us, quote, and Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. Unquote. Genesis chapter 10, verses 8 and 9. Now apparently Nimrod's success as a mighty hunter caused him to become famous among those primitive people. He became a, quote, mighty one, unquote, in the earth, a famous leader in worldly affairs. Gaining this prestige, he devised a better means of protection. Instead of constantly fighting the wild beasts, why not organize the people into cities and surround them with walls for protection? Then, then, why not organize these cities into a kingdom? What a great idea! Evidently, this was the thinking of Nimrod, for the Bible tells us that he organized just such a kingdom. Quote, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Erech, and Akkad, and Kala, in the land of Shinar. Unquote. Genesis chapter 10, verse 10. The kingdom of Nimrod is the very first government mentioned in the Bible. Whatever advances may have been made by Nimrod would have been well and good, but Nimrod, you see, was an ungodly ruler. The name Nimrod, ladies and gentlemen, comes from Marad and means, quote, he rebelled, unquote. Sound familiar? Wasn't Lucifer an angel of light, tremendous knowledge, who rebelled against God and was thrown down to the earth to be the ruler of the material world? Well, the word Nimrod means, quote, he rebelled, unquote. The expression that he was a mighty one, quote, before the Lord, unquote, can carry a hostile meaning. You see, the word before being sometimes used as meaning against the Lord. The Jewish encyclopedia says that Nimrod was he who made all the people rebellious against God. That's taken directly out of the Jewish encyclopedia. Let me say it again for you. Quote, he who made all the people rebellious against God, unquote. The noted historian Josephus wrote, 
Now it was Nimrod who excited them to such an affront and contempt of God. He also gradually changed the government into tyranny, seeing no other way of turning men from the fear of God. The multitudes were very ready to follow the determination of Nimrod, and they built a tower, neither sparing any pains nor being in any degree negligent about the work, and by reason of the multitude of hands employed in it, it grew very high. The place wherein they built the tower is now called Babylon, and those who built it were called the builders. And they still exist, ladies and gentlemen, today. Basing his conclusions on information that has come down to us throughout history, legend, and in mythology, a man by the name of Alexander Hislop has written in detail of how Babylonian religion developed around traditions concerning Nimrod, his wife, Semiramis, and her child, Tammuz. Now, Alexander Hislop wrote this, the results of his research, in a book called The Two Babylons, and I suggest strongly that you make every attempt to get that book and read it. It will open your eyes if you have an understanding of the symbology of the esoteric religion of Mystery Babylon and the secret societies today, which I have revealed to you through the Mystery Babylon series on this radio broadcast. It is important that we understand who these people are and what they believe. It makes no difference whatsoever whether you believe it or disbelieve it. If they hold the powerful positions of the world, if they are pulling the strings that make you dance, then whatever they believe affects you. Make no mistake about that. Now, when Nimrod died, according to the old stories, his body was cut into pieces, burnt, and sent to various areas. Sound familiar? We've discussed this same story before. You see, the first religion is also the last religion, and it has been every religion in between, in various aspects and various forms. It has never changed. His body was cut into pieces, burnt, and sent to various areas. Similar practices are mentioned even in the Bible. Judges chapter 19, verse 29, 1 Samuel chapter 11, verse 7. And following his death, which was greatly mourned by the people of Babylon, his wife Semiramis claimed he was now the sun god. S-U-N, sun god. Later, when she gave birth to a son, she claimed that her son, spelled S-O-N, Tammuz by name, was their hero Nimrod, reborn. And this, again, has been played out throughout the mysteries and throughout every religion, throughout the history of the world. Now, don't misunderstand me, ladies and gentlemen. I'm in by no means casting any slant or dispersion on any religion that any of you may be practicing. And I'm making no suggestions that you should not be a part of whatever religion you belong to. I'm merely delivering a message of the truth to you all. The mother 
<coughs> excuse me, the mother of Tammuz had probably heard the prophecy of the coming Messiah to be born of a woman, for this truth was known from the earliest times, and you can check Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. She claimed her son was supernaturally conceived, and that he was the promised seed, the Savior, and she gave the first recorded virgin birth to her son, who was Nimrod, reborn from his wife, lover, mother. Tammuz was the child's name, and he was called the promised seed, or the Savior. In the religion that developed, however, not only was the child worshipped, but the mother was worshipped also. Much of the Babylonian worship was carried on through mysterious symbols. You see, it was a mystery religion. The golden calf, for example, was a symbol of Tammuz, son of the sun god, Nimrod. The calf, or the bull, was actually the symbol during that age of the astrological house through which the sun was moving. It was called, and still is called, Taurus, the bull. Later, when the sun moved out of the house of Taurus and into the house of Capricorn, then the golden calf became the ram, or the goat, and was worshipped in the temple of Mendes, and to this day it is known as the goat of Mendes. Now, every once in a while I slow down for you to make sure that this sinks in, that you really understand what I am telling you. For it is important, ladies and gentlemen, that we stop being deceived and led by our nose. Those who are the puppet masters rely upon us to remain puppets. It is my intention to bring you out of the toy box and into the real world. Since Nimrod was believed to be the sun god, or Baal, fire was considered as his earthly representation. Fire was considered as his earthly representation. Thus, as you shall see, folks, candles and ritual fires were lighted in his honor and the priesthood was known as the philosophers of fire. They had a habit of burning their enemies, and they still do that today. In other forms, Nimrod was symbolized by sun images, by fish, by trees, by pillars or obelisks, and animals. For you see, if he was the sun god, he was the source of all life on this earth. He was the source of all warmth. He was the source of all energy. He was the generative force, and his symbol was the phallus, or the obelisk. One was erected by our forefathers in Washington, D.C. 
Centuries later, Paul gave a description which perfectly fits the course that the people of Babylon followed. Quote, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. They changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator. For this cause, God gave them up into vile affections." Unquote. Romans chapter 1, verses 21 through 26. Ladies and gentlemen, this system of idolatry spread from Babylon to the nations. Do you know what nations translates to in the original Hebrew and Greek? It is the word that we know as Gentiles. You see, the nations are the Gentiles. Does that surprise you? So the Gentiles were not corrupted until this system of idolatry spread from Babylon to the nations, to the Gentiles. For it was from this location that men were scattered over the face of the earth. You can find that in Genesis chapter 11, verse 9. And as they went from Babylon, they took their worship of the mother and child and the various mystery symbols with them. And the mother was known as the goddess of the sea at a later time. The sea was called the mare, and the goddess was called Mary. Herodotus, the world traveler and historian of antiquity, witnessed the mystery religion and its rites in numerous countries, and mentions how Babylon was the primeval source from which all systems of idolatry flowed. Bunsen says that the religious system of Egypt was derived from Asia and the primitive empire in Babel. In his noted work, folks, Nineveh and its remains, Layard declares that we have the united testimony of sacred and profane history that idolatry originated in the area of Babylonia, the most ancient of religious systems, and all of these historians were quoted by Hislop in his book, The Two Babylons. When Rome became a world empire, it is a known fact that she assimilated into her system the gods and religions from the various pagan countries over which she ruled. Since Babylon was the source of the paganism of these countries, we can see how the early religion of pagan Rome was but the Babylonish worship that had developed into various forms and under different names in the countries to which it had gone. Now, bearing this in mind, folks, we notice that it was during this time when Rome ruled the world that the true Savior, Jesus Christ, was born, lived among men, died, and rose again. He ascended into heaven, sent back the Holy Spirit, and the New Testament church was established in the earth. Now, looking at those early days of the Christian church, all of the members were saints. They were all equal unto each other. All of them. It must have been 
glorious to be a part of that and break away from the old to something that gave a promise a promise of a better life you see in those days life was terrible it was uncertain at best no one knew when they woke up in the morning if they would live to see the nightfall and it was that uncertain every single day and all of a sudden there was a promise there was a promise you only have to read the book of Acts to see how much God blessed his people in those days multitudes ladies and gentlemen were added to the church the true church it doesn't exist anywhere today except in small pockets of individuals who meet with each other in Christ's name all of these organized religions have bastardized the teachings of Christ have corrupted the teachings of Jesus and most of them are helping to lead you into slavery in the new world order in those days great signs and wonders were performed as God confirmed his word with signs following true Christianity ladies and gentlemen anointed by the Holy Spirit swept the world like a prairie fire nothing could stop it no matter how many Christians the Emperor crucified no matter how many Christians were thrown to the animals in the Roman circus 100 fold sprang up to take their place this movement encircled the mountains and crossed the oceans it made kings tremble and tyrants fearful and it was said of those early Christians that they had turned the world literally upside down so powerful was their message and spirit now I am talking about the true Christian teachings of Jesus Christ and the way that it was followed in the early days of Christ's church not Rome's church not Baptist's church not Lutheran's church not Orthodox church but Christ's church before too many years had passed men began to set themselves up as lords over God's people in places of the Holy Spirit instead of conquering by spiritual means and by truth by truth not too many people in the world understand what truth even means today as in the early days men began to substitute their ideas and their methods in place of the teachings that Christ gave us the Inquisition came from these people not from Jesus Christ the Crusades came from these people not from Jesus Christ attempts to merge paganism into Christianity were being made even in the days when our New Testament was being written folks for Paul mentioned that the mystery of iniquity was already at work already at work and he warned that there would come a falling away and some would depart from the faith 
giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, the counterfeit doctrines of the pagans. Second Thessalonians chapter two verses three through seven. First Timothy chapter four verse two. And by the time that Jude wrote the book that bears his name, it was necessary for him to exhort the people to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. For certain men had crept in who were attempting to substitute things that were no part of the original faith. Check Jude, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Christianity, folks, came face to face with the Babylonian paganism in its various forms that had been established in the Roman Empire. The early Christians refused to have anything to do with its customs and beliefs. And we all know what happened. Much persecution resulted. Many, many Christians were falsely accused, thrown to the lions, burned at the stake, and in other ways tortured and martyred. And for their own safety they went underground in the catacombs and in the caves, and they formed their own secret society which was known then as the Friendly Open Secret Society, and their symbol to mark their way was a fish. Then great changes began to be made. The Emperor of Rome professed conversion to Christianity. He had to. For Rome, Rome would have fallen just as sure, just as sure, as a tree in the forest falls to the axe if he had not made that move. Don't go away, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be back right after this very short pause. Ladies and gentlemen, the hour of the time is brought to you by Swiss America Trading. This is one program that we've had many applications from people and companies and corporations wanting to sponsor us. Now these people are usually in what's called the Patriot community because mainstream, mainstream companies, corporations, organizations, and people wouldn't touch this broadcast with a 40-foot pole, I can assure you. We chose Swiss America Trading because we checked them out. We found out that they're good people. Real, good people. They're honest. They back up their guarantees. They back up what they say. We have an agreement. If I think they didn't do somebody right, they make it right instantly or they don't sponsor this program anymore. That's about the best guarantee that anybody on radio could ever give you. You see, I don't do anything halfway, folks. Whoever sponsored this program was going to invariably become attached to me. My name and theirs would be linked. Whether we wanted it to happen or not, they would be linked. 
Therefore, I had to have a sponsor that I could believe in and that would offer our listening audience something that they needed, really needed badly. And you all need the services of Swiss America Trading to protect what you've worked all your life to gain against what is coming in our future. The New World Order, the actual legal aspect of it in the law, was established a long, long time ago. The only people who don't understand that the world government is already in place is the sheeple of the world. So as not to precipitate an armed uprising against them, they are acclimatizing you gradually to the fact that world government exists. That when there is a conflict between the Constitution and the United Nations Charter, the United Nations Charter shall prevail. You're being taught these things through television, through the movies. Children are being taught in school. In a way, where everybody knows something's wrong and everybody suspects what's going on, but nobody really knows except the listening audience of this broadcast. Now, whether or not you ever purchase anything from Swiss America Trading, if you value what you hear on the hour of the time, you need to call them at least to thank them for sponsoring this program. If you do that and mention my name, they'll send you several free newsletters and some other written material that you need to read. I would advise you strongly very strongly, ladies and gentlemen, to talk to them about making an investment in non-confiscatable, non-reportable hard assets in the form of gold or silver or platinum. And I strongly suggest you do this as soon as possible and set up a program where you can continue over the coming weeks and months and hopefully, hopefully a few more years, build up a reserve that you can use in time of great need. Call them. Do it now. 1-800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646. You'll be glad. You'll be very, very glad, ladies and gentlemen, that you did. early days of the real church, the real church, Christ's church, 
who practiced exactly what he taught them. Great, great changes began to take place that have affected us right up to this very day. What a shock it must have been when Constantine professed a conversion to Christianity after stating that he had seen the vision of a cross in the sky. And some accounts say that he didn't see it in the sky during daylight, that he saw it in a dream. And ladies and gentlemen, because he never accepted Christ during his entire life, and in fact was a pagan sun worshiper, I question whether he ever saw a cross at all. You see, because history says and records very clearly that Constantine never accepted Christ as his Savior. He never really followed the teachings of Christ. He was, in fact, a sun worshiper. He practiced the mystery religion of Babylon. But he was, in fact, the emperor of Rome. Rome very quickly became, ladies and gentlemen, the Catholic Church, and the Roman Emperor became the Pope. He had to do this to save the Empire. The symbol of the Roman Empire and the Emperor was the double-headed eagle. It signified that he ruled over both the East and the West that the sun did not set on the Roman Empire. This symbol still is displayed upon the walls of the Vatican and just recently Russia adopted this symbol as its national symbol. It is the symbol of the 33rd degree of Freemasonry. And I could go on and on and on and on and on and on and on but hopefully you get the point. Imperial orders, ladies and gentlemen, went forth throughout the Roman Empire that persecutions should cease. Simply and quickly cease. Bishops were created and given high honors. The church began to receive worldly recognition and power. But for all of this, a great, great price had to be paid. Many Many compromises were made, ladies and gentlemen, with paganism. Instead of the church being separate from the world, it became a part of this world system. The emperor, showing favor, demanded a place of leadership in the church. For in paganism, emperors were believed to be gods. So from here on, wholesale mixtures of paganism into Christianity were made, especially at Rome. We believe the... the the information that you're going to receive and have received, in fact, over this broadcast will convince you that what is known today as the Roman Catholic Church is nothing less than the old Roman Empire transformed and the old Roman pantheon of gods became the pantheon of saints. And the Christian, who began as a saint equal with all of his brothers and sisters, became a lowly peon once again. The title of saint was stripped from him and from her. 
and someone began to pass a plate and put up collection boxes and demand that at festivals the wealth of the people be transferred into the coffers of the church. Now I don't doubt that there are many fine, sincere, and devout Catholics. In fact, I know there are. I know there are many devout, sincere, courageous, wonderful members of the Mormon Church and the Baptist Church and the Lutheran Church and the Orthodox Church and even the Buddhist religion and Hinduism. I've met these people all over the world. We have all, ladies and gentlemen, been deceived throughout our lives by the secular and the religious priesthood, and in many cases they are the same. They are now engaged in a grand plan to bring about a new world order. The mystery schools who try to keep the mysteries pure want to rule the world through a council of elders with a puppet charismatic religious and political leader upon the throne of the world and the Vatican wants the Pope to sit upon the throne of the world and rule without the council of elders you see they are all united in the efforts to bring about world government the only point of contention is who is going to rule and we're we're the odd card, the joker in the deck. For if we want to, we could decide that neither one of them will rule, and we could determine the outcome of this battle, and we could reinstitute the real church again upon this earth as it was when Jesus taught it. He did not teach us to war against our neighbor. He did not teach us to condemn or judge our neighbor. In fact, the commandment was, Judge not, lest ye shall be judged. When Jesus spoke to a crowd and someone walked away from the crowd, he did not chase them down the road and try to stuff his teachings down their throat, ladies and gentlemen. He did not do that. Neither did he build great, wealthy cathedrals built of shining glass with great pageants on the holidays and big-name stars to come and sing and perform in these pageants where a homeless person or a poor, unemployed man with dirty clothes would be turned away from the door. Jesus Christ would have been the first one who welcomed that person into the church. And if you will look at the people that he habitually associated with, whose homes he slept in, who became his disciples, 
you will understand that those today who call themselves Christians do not even know the meaning of the word. Do not even know the meaning of the word. Many, many of the ministers, pastors, who stand at our pulpits across this nation and preach the Word of God on Sunday, attend the rituals of the Masonic Lodge on the following Saturday, and pay homage to Lucifer. How can this be? How can this be? Now, folks, it's not my intention to treat lightly or to ridicule anyone whose beliefs we may here disagree with. I will be the first one to stand by your side and protect your right to worship at the altar of your choice any time anyone threatens to take that away from you. Whether I agree with your method of worship or your church or your altar. For I believe sincerely that only by protecting your right to worship at the altar of your choice is my right to worship at the altar of my choice protected. Only by allowing you to speak what you wish to speak is my right to speak what I must speak protected. And everywhere I go I see Christians who do not practice that at all, yet they claim to be Americans and support the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and claim to be following the teachings of Jesus Christ. And they are not. They are false Christians. And I think that someday when they go to knock on that door that they're all looking forward to passing through, they will find that it is shut and barred and locked against them. I hope that this program tonight inspires people, regardless of their church affiliation, to forsake all the stupid dogma and silly interpretations and the fractures that have created thousands of different divisions of what is supposed to be one church across this nation. Forsake the Babylonish doctrines and concepts and seek a return to the faith that was once delivered unto the saints the real saints. Not, ladies and gentlemen, 
the Roman pantheon of gods. I hope tomorrow night to be able to bring the guest who was supposed to be on tonight. He may have called later because the phone was ringing, but once I get into something, I carry it through to the finish. I cannot start something and leave it in the middle. I think tonight's message was important. It was important to me to be able to deliver it. This is not a religious program, folks. It's about lies and deception. It's about the truth. And the truth is, very few people know the truth or practice the truth. Most so-called Christians spend most of their life calling Jesus Christ a liar. They've so twisted his teachings, his simple teachings, they've so turned around everything that is said, they so reach out to find verses in the Bible to promote their own agenda, whatever it may be, and all through the work they steal from their neighbors and piously attend church on Sunday. And this must stop. It must stop. All of the lies must stop. All of the deceptions must stop. All of the manipulations must stop. We must begin to use our brains tempered with our hearts, for cold reason is cruel and intrepid. Those who believe that there's no place in this world or within humanity for emotion are the despots of the world. Conversely, those who believe that the heart should dictate everything are the fools of the world. Man, after all, as the ancients left us the symbol of the Sphinx to remind us, is nothing but an animal with a brain, and we spend most of our time in conflict between the animal instinct and the brain, between the emotions and desires and temptations and what we know to be right, between the forces of good and the forces of evil. Too few of us are winning these battles, ladies and gentlemen. Too few of us really care. Too few of us really understand the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Too many of us, too many of us are fat and lazy and apathetic and ignorant, pampered, spoiled, rotten. America must change. The change must occur in the people. The people must once again understand what is important and what is not. They must be willing to sacrifice. They must be willing to do whatever is necessary 
to make sure that the freedom that man has gained throughout his history, culminating in the greatest nation upon the face of this earth, does not disappear from the face of this earth. In the name of some promised world utopian government. For anything, ladies and gentlemen, that is created from a mountain of lies to sit upon top of a mountain of lies is nothing but another mountain of lies. And as soon as the truth upon which this mountain is sitting is exposed, the entire thing will come tumbling down. A world brought about by liars through deceit and manipulation cannot be a good thing, will not be a good thing. And those who behind it, who profess to be doing what's best for man, who profess to be acting with the best intentions for the future of mankind, belie that statement when it comes out of the same mouth that promotes the lies, that creates the deceptions, that manipulates the people into it. For if it were going to be so good, no lies would be required, no deceptions would be required, no manipulations would have to take place. All of you who are waiting for Jesus to come into his kingdom, I tell you, he is in his kingdom now. The problems with this world lie with man, have always been with man, and will be with man no matter what he tries to create, and no matter how he tries to create it, if it is built by man, it is flawed. The concept that we're going to have a perfect utopian world government where imperfect men are ruled by imperfect men is ludicrous. Absolutely, 100% ludicrous. I want to thank you all for putting up with my demented ravings tonight. I'm kind of glad that our guest didn't show up because this is something that's been burning within me for quite some time. For reference, read Alexander Hislop's The Two Babylons and Babylon Mystery Religion Ancient and Modern by Woodrow. Refer to the 33 tapes of our Mystery Babylon series that were aired on this broadcast over the last two years. Good luck, good night, and God bless you.